many people here tonight, so I'm honored that you all showed up. Given the temperature, it might be well to talk a little bit about uh, <clears throat> what used to be called global warming. It definitely seems to be uh, apropos at this point. And the essence of, uh, would you turn it down a little bit? The essence of global warming, uh, from a Buddhist perspective, is interdependence. Everything is connected to everything else. So the fact that the Amazon rainforest is being mown down affects the amount of oxygen that's being released. The amount of carbon dioxide in the air affects the amount of um, heat that's being retained. It has warmed the oceans a little bit, which is releasing methane, which is 60 times more potent than CO2. In the beginning of this country, <clears throat> um, people used to regard the rivers as just a very convenient sewage system. So, you know, you had personal waste, or you had community waste, or you had industrial waste, and just dump it all in the, in the river, and it takes it all away. In the 50s, the United States, when they were uh, getting rid of uh, radioactive waste, as they were still trying to figure out what to do with you still don't know, but there, in those days they were still trying to figure it out. They would put radioactive waste in those 50-gallon drums, take them out to the sea, and just drop them off. And if they didn't uh, sink, then they would shoot them full of holes to help them sink. The essential element is that when we think we are separate, when we think that what I do is really only relevant to me and my family. What I do as a country is only relevant to me and my country. What I do as a business, or as an individual, or as community, then we are missing an essential truth. The essential truth is we are all completely interpenetrated. So, as Thich Nhat Hanh likes to say, you know, the fact that we have this little stand here is because we have the tree, and the tree, we have the tree because we have water, minerals, and because we have sun. So, in a way, this particular little stand here contains all those things. We can look at it linearly from past to future, or we can look at it in the present moment. So from a Buddhist perspective, our ability to see the interconnection, the interrelationship of all things, at both a mechanical level and at a deeper level, which we'll talk about in just a moment, is the essential, one of the essential qualities for a healthy human life. Mechanically, we can all see how there is only so much, so much fresh water going around the world. Or that our thin layer of atmosphere is so small, and if somebody in China you know, belches out enormous amounts of smoke or radioactive waste or whatever, and it blows to the West Coast, it affects all of us. We can see all that very, very easily, although people who are making laws often think that somehow we're separate. I was reflecting also upon uh, there is a movement in Texas, I think, to have Texas withdraw from the Union. 
You know, they got enough money and they got enough oil and they can buy whatever they need and you know, get rid of all the harassment of everybody else telling them what to do. This kind of thinking of, I am separate, and if everything goes according to my view, if I get to do what I want, then somehow I've made it, my world is okay, is the foundation for the kind of destruction that we're seeing. So if we take it more intimately and we look at the human condition itself, we look at our mind as I was doing in that guided meditation, Awareness and the objects of awareness are not two things. So we're aware of this inside of the circle up here, and we're aware of the circle at the circle. We don't tend to be aware of something, you're not aware of that inso in your hand, or in your feet, or in your left shoulder, or in your left ear, or in your nose. We're aware of things at the experience of the thing. We're aware of our foot in the foot. Now, scientifically, you know, we talk about neurons, and we talk about brain functioning, and we talk about the neuroanatomy of consciousness, although nobody knows what consciousness is. But experientially, experientially, when we're aware of something, we're aware of it at the place that we're aware of it. We're aware of something, we're aware of the floor, we're aware of the floor right here. We're not aware of the floor behind my eyeballs. So as we practice and as we are meditating and we begin to less and less live in our dreams, our fantasies about how things might be, our stories that we've made up, and we're more and more able to be present with the way things are, and we open our awareness, everything is our life. Everything is our life. What that means is we are connected to everything. So my mind and all of you, my awareness of all of you, are not two things. My life and all of your lives are intertwined, interpenetrated. Both on a mechanical level, because there's so much, so much calcium going around and all of us are probably, you know, have some of Darwin's and Jesus's and the Buddha's and Socrates's calcium floating through our own bones. We have that kind of interpenetration but because awareness itself is the common denominator for a human life. We think often when we're practicing, that, oh yes, I'm out there, or you guys are out there, and I'm in here, and I'm gonna get this act together. And you know, on one level, it's of course very, very appropriate to be ethical and to be, be clear-minded, to be centered in your own body. But that is not the deeper level of practice. The deeper level of practice is I am awareness itself, and everybody and everything I see is part of that awareness. And so when we are able to touch this level of practice, and it's a direct experiential level, it's not an idea, it's a direct experiential level, that who I am is not some homunculus inside there. Who I am is not some small thing. It is the vast awareness itself. And in that awareness, of course, thoughts go through, and emotions go through, and hands go through, and bodies go through, and floors go through, and light goes through, and sound goes through, the birds go through, and the whole earth goes through, and we look up at the sky, and we see the stars, and the stars, and the galaxies all go through. That our true nature, our true nature of awareness is not some small, insignificant thing. 
colors and shapes the world that we're in. So from that perspective, when we begin to see awareness in that level, then how we deal with all the very things of this world, all the little bits and pieces, because it's all our life. There's a respect. There's an appreciation. There's a care. There's a kind of acceptance. It is this awareness that so much in our culture is lacking. Our culture is just being fragmented by, I am right and you are wrong. 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 And then people eventually say, I'm sick of this. But that too is part of awareness. That too is part of awareness. To even hold the chaos of the world in our own awareness, to even hold the fragmenting nature of small-minded human beings in our awareness, is part of the spiritual practice. So with the great spiritual teachers, the great spiritual teachers throughout the ages have been able to hold this very, very big awareness and accept the human condition and respond and deal with the human condition as it is without being thrown off because it's all awareness. It's all my own life. So from a Dharma perspective, we keep emphasizing practice, look at the nature of your own mind. First step of Dharma practice is you stabilize your own awareness, you stabilize your own being by learning how to be in the present moment, by not living in your thoughts about the past and the future, by bringing yourself so that you have a centered way of being in the, in the moment, which is calm and has an equanimity to it. You open your heart up so it's infused with loving kindness. But then you have to open your awareness up so it's all inclusive. Nothing's left out. When we can touch that, interesting things can happen. Interesting things can happen. One of the primary uh, sutras, one of the primary teachings of the, um, the thread of Buddhism that we are part of is the uh, Heart Sutra, the Heart of Perfect Wisdom. The Heart Sutra is not only the kind of heart of being, one, one meaning of it, the kind of core of being, the core of wisdom, uh, but it's also the kind of essence, the, the essence, the, the heart of all things, heart of perfect wisdom. The heart of perfect wisdom starts off, the bodhisattva, the saint, the archetypal energy, um, the, the beneficent being, the enlightened wisdom being, Bodhisattva. Bodhi is enlightened, and sattva means being. So the enlightened being, the awakened person of Avalokiteshvara. Avalokiteshvara is the, the Sanskrit name for Kuan Yin, or Chenrezi, or Kanon, or Kanzeon. The Bodhisattva, the enlightened being of compassion. And in this tradition, it's the archetypal energy. It's represented as the archetypal energy of the compassionate forces of the whole universe. And the compassionate forces of the whole universe are fundamentally the fact that we're alive. The fact that you exist is a, an act of compassion beyond anything you've ever conceived of. The very fact that we have been given life is nothing but compassionate expression. There's lots of other levels of it, but that's one level. Bodhisattva of compassion, 
from the depths of deep wisdom, saw the unfixed nature of all things and sundered the bonds that cause suffering, dukkha. By seeing that things are not just, you know, things, but that each thing has as its root awareness. Each thing has as its root is a transitory thing. This is only temporarily in this condition. It'll pass. That's one view. Another view is as soon as it's out of sight, it's gone. That's another view. A third view is um, that it is awareness itself, my awareness. And when my awareness turns to something else and it's gone, it is empty, has no, no, no thingness. Things do not exist unless we're aware of them. We have no awareness of things. They don't exist. We don't know if they exist or not. They come back into our awareness. There it is. It appears with awareness. It disappears out of awareness. It's the, it's the nature of things. We think in our minds, oh yes, this is a solid thing. This thing exists throughout time. This thing is you know, a permanent lump right here, or at least a permanent lump for the next you know, 60 days. But really, it is composed of awareness. It is our awareness itself. So the bodhisattva of compassion saw that everything is composed of awareness. And it's not fixed. Not fixed. So that means that even global warming is not fixed. That means our life in all the boxes that we put ourselves in, all the small-mindedness that we have, all of the brokenness and inadequacy that we feel is not fixed. It's all part of the great movement of life. And as our awareness becomes larger, as our awareness becomes more vivid, as our awareness becomes, as we move from the place of being a lump to being awareness itself, then interesting things begin to shift. Interesting things happen in our culture, in our life, in our world. We can easily say that we all live in different worlds. No one knows what it's like to taste in your mouth. No one knows what it's like, how your feet feel right this moment. You know, we project and we think, oh, they're probably hot or numb or whatever, but who knows? Nobody knows. The only thing we really know is our particular awareness of our world. It permeates our world. And everybody else, in a way, lives in a different world, and we just overlap in awareness. So when we actually begin to shift our view from I'm a lump and these are lumpy things, into awareness itself, interesting possibilities arise in our world. Some people live in worlds of great expansiveness and brightness and light, and some people live in worlds that are shrivelly and small and dark and hard. They're not the same world. So practice is about how do we stabilize the mind, come into the present moment, live ethically, open our awareness, and see what is the great mystery that can come through me? What is the great way that my life can unfold in ways I never imagined? Insights I never thought I would have. Things I never believed, and yet I've now experienced them. So this particular teaching of awareness and spaciousness is a teaching of infinite creativity. We tend to get old and we write our lives off, or we tend to get in a real box and we write our lives off, or we tend to have some brokenness and we write our lives off. But this particular teaching is one of infinite creativity. Who knows 
what you're going to experience. Who knows what's going to come forth from you? Who knows the, the vivid nature of your own life? And so on that basis, we can have cooperation. On that basis, we can work with the way things are, doing our best to bring forth something that we can bring forth, be a benefit to help others. On that basis, things come not from in here, but they're drawn from out there. They become, our life becomes drawn from us. So I find that when I'm giving talks, for example, especially like this, when I'm not sure what I'm going to say, it's the people who are out there, it's all of you, who, I'm, who draw out a particular teaching that night. And so it's different each time. So please, have deep faith. Have a deep confidence. Have deep appreciation of this life. And continue practicing in as skillful a way as you can. Everybody benefits. We clear up our mind. When our mind becomes large and expansive, everybody around us, and perhaps definitely those beyond us, are touched. That's what's on my mind tonight. Any comments? No? Thank you all very much.